Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. Today we have a very special guest. She was originally a grand prize winner in 2007 of the Illustrators of the Future contest. She came back again a few years ago where she illustrated a story for Brandon Sanderson called The Lesson. And just recently, she was our most recent winner to become a New York Times bestseller with her illustrated coffee table book, Parker Looks Up. Please welcome Brittany Jackson. Hi, Brittany. Hi, John. So welcome to the show. And what we'd like to do is basically come forward from 2007 when you won the contest and a bit about the situation that you're in when you had entered and won the contest and I guess not necessarily fast forward but forward into where you are now that led you to uh, being chosen to illustrate this amazingly beautiful book which I've got in front of me. Of course um, I'd be happy to go into it and you know give some perspective on my experience uh you were asking like what um, what what place I was in uh, when I first entered the contest. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. So at the time, I was um, I believe first year in college, and um, I was recommended by my art teacher and my mother to um, in, enter the contest for illustrators of the future. Of course, that it would help me, you know, if everything went well and I won, it would definitely help me yeah, uh, yeah. with my tuition towards college. Because um, the time that I spent at college, a lot of it I was actually coming out of pocket myself for, uh, which was very expensive. Sure. <laughs> so, of course, it, it really helped me to that. That was what my initial goal was, is to see, you know, to when to help pay for college. Uh, but I would say that my experience with it, especially now so many years uh, past, of course, past uh, 2007, you know, it, it's still impacting my life today, uh, which is something I am honestly surprised by and what, didn't expect personally, because just where my heart was when I originally, when I originally started, it, it was, I came to understand that it was a lot more depth to it than just that, than, you know, just worrying about the tuition. Right. The overall experience, I would say, from becoming a finalist and being able to go to California, where I, you know, I sat and I learned with um, the different judges that were there. Uh, because even though I, I, you know, had some time at college, I would say that the information that I gathered was like more valuable than the time that I put in college. Yeah. Uh, just personally, I, I don't have anything against it, but it was the first time where I actually met and learned from other artists that were actually working in the field. Which is an important um, not thing, to say I think. That yeah. Teachers, yeah. So, I mean, the teachers that I had, they have, of course, their own levels of experience. I'm not going to. Uh, take any of that away from them. But for the career field or the, the direction that I wanted to go with my career, I feel that the people that I met uh, in association with the contest was more aligned with uh, where I saw myself going in the future. And it also helped to have the seven-day workshop where I was able to sit and learn from them. I felt like I was taken under the wing of different individuals who had already 
dealt with different roadblocks that I hadn't faced yet and uh, gave me the tools that I needed to to go forward. So it was a wonderful networking experience and very eye-opening for me. And those connections have and continue to help me to this day. I still have my information packet from 2007, (laughs) you know, and it's information in there that I refer back to um, because one of the primary lessons that I remember from that experience, art uh, or in the form of illustration, is being able to communicate what the author is trying to convey uh, through their words with your art. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, and that's one of the uh, main essays, I think, in the Illustrator Contest that was written by Owen Hubbard that has gone over. Art is communication. What is What makes it so special and what why it is art and what about that art that makes it so that it really communicates? So that's actually good that you that you got that because the work in this Parker looks up, your illustrations really communicate, and that's something that is very striking and no doubt contributes a lot to the book's success. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, and, and that that was uh, that's something that I always refer back to, uh, just trying to make sure that I'm communicating what the author uh, wants to portray. Um, and that's 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 in all of my work. I'll pay attention to the words that are used or the emotions um, uh, that are expressed through the writing. And I believe learning that lesson and and actively applying it even to this day has, you know, con- continued to help me with with the projects that I've done. I think it uh, it leaves less room for error on my part. You know, if I just take the time to really understand and and feel, uh, what I'm reading and uh, give the thought into how I want to portray it through my through my artwork. Yeah, and it, like I said, it really com- it really does communicate. Now, when I was searching you up a few years ago to inquire about you illustrating uh, that story uh, in volume uh, 34, I think it was, I found you with a, an art company. So tell me about how that came to be. Yes, it would have had to have been Gaia at the time. Um, so. Gaia Online Interactive is basically like a social media network that I got into when I was in like middle school. <laughs> so it's a lot of anime and uh, uh, like an anime social media network. And I was a fan of it. Basically, you have a little avatar that you can dress up. And I was a fan of uh, the uh, company for years. And I was fortunate enough to grow up and be able to actually create art for them. Um, so a lot of the guy online was like the next person I would say to really give me an opportunity to expand my skills and also be connected to with a group of artists. It was uh, a lot of us and we worked together and I learned from them and they allowed me an opportunity to grow. So a lot of the work that I did uh, with them, I was actually able to gain a fan base out of through the site. Um, and it's a lot of the work that's in my portfolio today. But yeah, it was with Guy in which I was able to hone a different set of skills. It's a different style from the children's book illustrations. For sure, for sure. So what happened then after your uh, Gaia? Then where did where did your career go from there? Well, from from Gaia, I I'm actually still working like in the way of uh, doing concept art. Basically, working with Gaia allowed me to experiment with that form of artwork, doing concept art, uh, drawing characters. We 
uh, learn from each other. Of course, they teach me different ways in which I can paint or more effective ways that I can paint, which I continue to apply today. Of course, by it being a network of artists that were together, we also looked out for each other. So, you know, sometimes different opportunities will come up and they'll, because we were already networked with each other, that would open other doors for me. So I've gotten into doing uh, some comic book covers. I've gotten into doing um, other book covers where I've been able to take on better opportunities because I had I had uh, learned how to paint better or to better do cover art. Because it's a formula, it's a science to it and everything. So just learning from other people and also having those connections had opened other doors for me. I see. And so now how did it... Um... How did it come about that you were chosen to illustrate Parker Looks Up? Uh, so for Parker Looks Up, that's an interesting story. <laughs> I have been working with a lot of local authors for years, uh, doing children's books. One most notably that uh, a lot of people recognize is the Hair Like Mine series. Now it's called The Kids Like Minds by Latasha Perry. And... I'm not that social with social media. I don't post a whole lot on there. Yeah. Uh, but um, Latasha Perry was really good at promoting her book. And uh, she has her own fan base, you know, for her stories. Uh, but she's a local author. And we've been working together for about five plus years. And it was through her promotion that I feel that the opportunity came. Because I, when... Simon & Schuster reached out to me. They referenced one of the images. They really liked the art style, and they asked me if I would be able to put something together in that style. So I believe it was by the efforts of, of Latasha Perry that my work was more seen because she promoted it so well. Wow. that's that, I mean, that's obviously, it's uh, amazingly good fortune. Now, since... Um, I mean, I'm going to talk a little more about Parker Looks Up before we go into your style of, of painting and art and, and that whole evolution from when you began originally as probably uh, Parker's age. So how did the actual book come together? And once, once you were chosen, you sent your, your submission of th this is a style that they said, okay, let's go. Then how did it proceed from there? Uh, well, the, the way that it worked out was... Um I had, uh, they sent me an email, asked me if I would be interested in um, illustrating uh, Parker Looks Up. I At first, I was not familiar with Parker's story. Um, so, of course, I had to educate myself and, and have a better understanding of uh, what a great moment it was uh, that Parker had. Because I'm, I'm very familiar with Simon & Schuster, so when I got the email, I wasn't sure if it was real or not. Uh, so I think I took my time <laughs> in responding. And, you know, I asked some advice from from you, and like, well, is you do you feel like this is legitimate? <laughs> and um, so I took my time in responding, but I did, and they asked me if I could do um, just a little sketch of Parker, just to see what she would look like in my art style. And upon doing that, um, I was chosen. Which is awesome. I mean, it's just the cover itself is. Was that the the, the uh, image of Parker on the cover? Is that basically what you originally submitted, or has that been significantly modified? Um, that was just the, the 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 cover concept was different from the character art. Uh, usually, when I do children's books, I'll draw a little uh, concept art of the character. 
I'll do that to um, get a color guide, what colors I'm going to use for uh, the character's skin, hair, clothes. Um, so basically, it's just a little drawing of Parker. It was full body. She had two, two different emotions. Um, so that artwork hasn't been posted anywhere. I haven't shared it yet, but I'm, I'm thinking I might go ahead and share it. Sure. Uh, but uh, once that, once I submitted the character drawings, um, they really liked it. So I moved on to the cover concept. I went through a few different rounds, a few different angles uh, that I worked with. Um, but the one with her, the profile view of her looking up at the portrait where you kind of just see a hint of Michelle Obama's dress yeah. is the one that was chosen. Yeah, that's because it really has the right focus on, on Parker, but then it's obviously what she's looking at. I'm curious, have you met Michelle? I have not m met Michelle Obama, no. <laughs> just curious. Have you met Parker? <laughs> I've not met uh, Parker or uh, Parker or Jessica Curry. They actually, uh, from my understanding, are both in Washington D.C. Yeah. So they were, uh, the they were at the uh, Smithsonian Portrait Gallery, which is where they saw the portrait. I believe that is correct. Um, but I haven't met them. I haven't been in that area, but I am in contact with them through Instagram. So we like each other's posts, and you know we comment on each other's posts sometimes. <laughs> Um, I get to, you know, see what they're up to through that. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a, a, a great next step for you on this thing, illustrating, and hopefully this puts you in, uh, in running for more such big projects like, uh, like this one here for the future. So now you've been, I'm, now we're going to take a different tact here, um, for your career as an artist. So a little bit like, when did you, when did you decide you really wanted to be an artist? Um, well, that was pretty much as far back as elementary school. I can't remember how old I was. Yeah. But um, it was one of my earlier, you know, um, the, the earliest things that I wanted to be. And I actually always had a passion for writing and illustrating and drawing. Yeah. Um, and it came to the point where I had to choose which one I wanted to do because they're both very demanding skill sets. Um, so when I was younger, I used to, I always had a really active imagination. So I would draw little comic strips and I would create characters from as far back as when I was in elementary school. A lot of that art I still have to this day. Wow, <laughs> so, that's great. Yeah, I would create all kinds of characters. A lot of it was like warrior women uh, for some reason. <laughs> but uh, I had a lot of fun um, uh, drawing when I was a kid and at first, you know, when I was growing up, a lot of people would tell me, oh, you don't want to be an artist. Artists are going to starve, you know. Uh, so I did have a lot of people that was trying to uh, sway me out of that career choice. So when I was asked, I would say, oh, I want to be a doctor or something like that because <laughs> it was more socially acceptable or financially acceptable, I would say. Yeah. But it got to a point where I was like, I really don't care. I just want to draw. <laughs> Yeah. So I decided to pursue it and I didn't want to, um, you know, put down something that I really enjoyed doing just because other people didn't think it was financially viable. Um, not to say that being an artist doesn't have its challenges. It certainly does. But I feel more fulfilled. Um, so I would. Um, so around 
middle school, I would do I would do a lot of writing on fanfic. Net. Yeah, <laughs> I did yeah. a lot of fanfiction, yeah. and I would do illustrations for my fanfictions. And again, as I mentioned, it became it was it it was demanding to either choose to write or to draw. And at a certain point, I just chose to draw and uh, put writing to the side. So it was, it was a, a, a cross between two passions, honestly. Now, you're talking about warrior women, but I don't see that in your artwork now. So how did your path evolve on what you uh, painted or drew? Well, I do still love warrior women. <laughs> I love drawing warrior women. Uh so that that hasn't changed. I, I guess I was a really big fan of Xena, yeah, and uh, and uh, Sailor Moon and things like that. I love magical warrior women. Um, it made me feel inspired a lot. Um, just seeing that, even though women can be beautiful and, and magical, they were still powerful. So I really love that. Um, a lot of the work that I put out online, though, is not my personal work. A lot of it is actually commission based. So I'm basically just drawing what, you know, what, what was asked of me or, or portraying other person's visions or other people's visions. Um, but if it was up to me, you'd, you'd see a lot more, um, <laughs> you, you see a lot more uh, warrior women, I would say, or just strong women seen in a strong light. And the way that I portray it now is not necessarily, you know, you have a lot of uh, women that are very armored and things like that. I believe their strength and beauty as well, either in a power stance or in, in their facial expressions or the way that their body language is. I just express it in different ways, I would say now, uh, but that's still like the core of what inspired me when I was little, just seeing women in a strong light. I see. that. I, I see that because I'm looking at several of your images right now. And anybody listening to this podcast, if you just um, Google Brittany Jackson artist, You'll see some amazing artwork there on um, under under the images. So now, do you do everything computer graphic, or do you do stuff watercolor, or oil, or acrylic, or what type of, or do you do all of it? Most all of my artwork, or at least all of it that is online, is digital. I actually started doing digital artwork when I was younger because I was really into comics. And when I was younger, I was just curious, well, how are these comic artists painting? How do they get the colors on the images and stuff? Because when I first got the internet, that's when I was exposed to comics and anime, and it was just a, a whirlwind that changed my life. Um, but uh, I, I found out that a lot of my favorite comic artists, they use digital art um, in order to color the images. So I figured, well, I have to do that too if I want to be an artist like them. So I started digital before it was like really that much of a thing. Uh, I was using regular mouse and everything because we didn't have uh, tablets at the time. <laughs> wow. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so it was a lot of uh, wrist cramps. And then I got my first Wacom and um, I've been, you know, drawing on the computer ever since. And the funny thing about that is with with uh, digital artwork, when I first did it, I in a few contests before I entered into Illustrators of the Future contest. And there were times when I almost got disqualified because they didn't consider digital art real art. I found that out later after the contest had ended because some of the contest um, uh, judges were teachers at my school. So... 
of course they, you know, they told me, some of them told me, um, we almost disqualified you because we didn't know if we should consider it real art or not. Uh, but now everything is dominated by digital art, um, at least from my perspective. It oh, is, yeah, that's, it definitely it's is. It's a lot more. But uh, it is my preferred medium to use. I, I do have experience working with acrylic and color pencils and marker um, uh, just because it gives me a little bit more versatility. versatility. Not that good with watercolor. <laughs> um, but basically with with the with the um, digital artwork, I've been learning to mimic traditional forms of art. Uh, so I still approach it with a traditional mindset. Uh, try not to erase as much. Try not to delete. If I was working with acrylic, I would just, I would just if I make a mistake, I would paint over it uh, type of thing, which is something that, uh, which is a concept that I learned from, uh, I think it was Cliff Nielsen, actually. Yeah, because he did a lot of uh, cover art from, yes. from from my understanding. Yes. So he was talking about how um, he would teach digital at his school, uh-huh. and, but he would approach, he would challenge the students to approach digital artwork in a traditional way, um, which before that, I wasn't doing that. Um, so I like the idea of, you know, just, it takes a lot of the technical aspects out of digital artwork when you just approach it in a more simple way. If you make a mistake, paint over it. You know, don't abuse the um, edit buttons or or the undo. Yeah. <laughs> if you can help it. Yeah. So, and it adds um it adds a when you approach it in a more traditional way, it adds a more traditional feel to it. You could see the different brush strokes and. Uh, you can see the nuances of color when you introduce new colors into the palette. And um, so that was another little lesson that I took away and I learned and I continue to apply to this day. Oh, that's great. So now on um, one thing that I'm talking to, you know, aspiring artists and the same thing goes for writers, too. There's usually some obstacle or obstacles they have to overcome or to persist or to be able to deal with in order to still be able to to um to make their realize their dreams so what were some of the things that you had to overcome to uh still be able to make it as an artist well i am an introvert (laughs) so talking to people um and meeting new people is definitely outside of my comfort zone yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, it's just a part of my personality. Um, but at the same time, just because I'm not in my comfort zone doesn't mean that I can't step out of it. And a lot of times I have to, even if it's, you know, even if I might be awkward the first time somebody meets me <laughs> for that reason. Yeah. Um, I still make an effort to step out of it because you know, how can I expect to go anywhere if I won't talk to people or if I won't, um, you know, be willing to meet with people? Um, so, you know, that's definitely something that I actively do is um, so some people might mistake me for being an uh, being um, was it introvert? No, that's not it. Just extrovert. Well, oh, an extrovert. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's not even a word you use very much. Like, no, it 
But yeah, so it's it's something that I actively have to fight against is my own introvertedness. Uh huh. Um, in in talking with people, um, I get the shakes. I get nervous. Yeah. You know, I have a hard time talking when I'm nervous because I'm ends up short of breath because for some reason I'm holding it in. Uh, but I I actively have to do that to open myself up to allow myself to be open and. Uh, to meet people and to get to know them. And I, it just makes it a lot easier for me to communicate if they know up front that I do have some anxiety um, in certain situations. But by being open and being honest and, um, you know, just even making an effort to step outside my comfort zone and put myself in a certain environment that I need to be in in order to make friends or to make connections, um, that's what's taken me a long way. Um, unfortunately I do know certain artists who are so introverted that it becomes a detriment and they miss opportunities because they're too afraid to talk to the people that would open the door for them, yeah. give them those opportunities. Yeah, I so think yeah, that's like, a really I, important, I think that's a very important point that you're making there. And in terms of advice to, you know, continued like advice to the artist who's a there's some brilliant artists out there, but you're right. If they don't go out there and do something to make themselves known, nobody will know. What advice do you have for them then? Uh, other advice that I would have is to uh, make connections with other artists. Um, even with the contest, um, from, from, from my association with the contest, a lot of people will think like, oh, it's a contest, so everybody's your competition. In a sense, there is competition. I mean, there's only one person that can win. And a lot of times it's the same way in the work environment. Uh, if you're trying to find an opportunity or a job or anything like that. But I choose personally not to look at other artists in a competitive way. I think by looking at other artists and respecting their skills and you can really learn um, from each other. And uh I open myself up to that as well. So if there's an artist that I'm like, oh, you know, I really love their art style or I really love uh, the way that they approach, um, you know, certain forms of art, I don't, I actively don't try to be intimidated by that. Um, intimidation is a big thing as well that can kind of uh, uh, shoot you in the foot, <laughs> as, yeah. as it were. Yeah. Because you can have a lot of anim anim animosity towards other artists just because you like, oh, they're better than me. Um, I choose not to see it that way. If an artist has certain skill sets that I wish that I had, like in a certain way, I actively try to learn from them as opposed to being against them. And having that respect and it's, it's the way that you look at things, having a respect for other artists instead of trying to compete with them all the time. Um, it's a healthier outlook, I would say, to have. And you never know, those same artists that, um, you know, that you might have um, adversity to because for whatever reason, um, you could always make friends with them or, you know, open up the door. And you never know, depending on the person, they might, you know, look out for you back. Um, that's been my experience in that respecting other artists, we became friends. And sometimes when they get opportunities, they give me an opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's just a lot more enriching. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's, um, 
that's a point you just made there that Bob Eggleton, who's a brilliant artist, he's a great guy, but he's, he sees other artists as his compadres. And quite often, he'll get work that he just can't do. And so he'll say, well, let me, you know, let me recommend, and he'll share you know, a job offer with another artist because he just can't do it. You know, so there's, there really is a lot of work out there. And if you have the idea that you know, everybody's competition, one, your, your outlook towards life is, is likely to put you in a position that people aren't going to want to hire you eventually because it's such a, a sour taste you leave in their mouth. But it's also um, by being friends with other people, just other people will naturally want to like share information about you with others. Yes, and I would say overall, it's it's just an enriching experience. Um, I wouldn't even say to have make friends for selfish reasons either. It's just I feel a lot better knowing that I have a strong that I have a positive connection with people than to be wallowing in you know self doubt or you know I wish I was that person or something like that. Because as long as I'm alive, I can continue to grow. I can continue to learn. I might not be at that level yet, but I can get there. You know, I just have to be willing to learn from the people that are around me. So if someone is really good at using color, I'm like, oh, well, I want to learn how to use color like that. And sometimes I will reach out or I'll support other artists. Um, My studio space where I work is full of uh, paintings and prints from other artists that I admire. Some of them I met personally. Some of them I talked to personally. Uh, some of them I've been following for years, you know, and I've seen their career rise and having that bond um, with them. I'm able to ask them for advice like, uh, you know, can you give me some tips on how to make prints or, you know, what way do you approach making a cover? Um, and it, it makes it feel like I don't have to go it alone. Like we could be a network of artists. We could be a community of artists that are looking out for each other instead of trying to stab each other in the back. And yeah, I think that's the uh, healthier way to look at it, and it's a lot more enriching, um, at least in my experience. And um, even with the contest, I would encounter uh, people's like, "Oh, you're definitely gonna win," and or something like that. And I mean, from my perspective, when I first entered, I was like, "Yeah, it'd be nice about if I win." <laughs> you know, I worked yeah. hard, but so did everybody else who entered. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I'm happy for that person. You know, that's their moment regardless. And I'm glad to be a part of it. That's, so that's my outlook. That's how I choose to live my life. That's how I choose to see things. That's great. And it's interesting on the Illustrators of the Future contest that it really is international. We've had winners from all over the world. And this year, for the first time, we have a winner from Turkey and a winner from Iran, an illustrator winner. And they will be coming out to Los Angeles for the awards ceremony because art really does transcend politics. It transcends all the um, the hatred that can go on out there. If from your the attitude that you're talking about right now, I think is the right attitude. And it was definitely the attitude that Mr. Hubbard had, too, with respect to art, that it's real value and importance and significance to the future of society. Because I look at your art and it's just. It's just uplifting. It's just, you look at it and go, wow, you feel, it's, I don't, the term feel good art is kind of like, you know, maybe it's hackneyed, but it's, it really does. You look at it and go, yeah, it, it's uplifting, you know, and you're, it has a good message that it communicates. 
So I think that's something that's really important about this contest. So to, to wrap up then, any particular advice you can give to aspiring artists as regards to entering the Illustrators of the Future contest? I would say to people who, artists who are interested in entering, um, <laughs> I know it sounds corny, but uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> it's uh, So I would say, you know, you have nothing to lose. And that's, that's, I mean, I had nothing to lose except for, you know, I just put in time, uh, put in time, put in effort and, you know, enter, uh, whether you are, you know, grand prize winner or not, or the connections and the experiences that you make along the way, you know, they could stay with you for a lifetime. Um, and, um, and even with that, in terms of other um, uh, from from the people who had come during the year that I had won, um, you know, they still have very remarkable careers. Um, and I don't think it was a loss for them either, whether they won a grand prize or not. I've seen people I've seen other contestants or other people who other winners or uh, who were associated with the contest go on to do great things, you know, whether they won first place or not, but having that connection and being able to meet so many other artists from all over the world. Um, and of course, within the United States is, is, um, is well worth it. Um, even like, uh, for example, um, you you had invited me back a few years ago um, from and I had met uh, Kirby Kirby Fagan. Yeah, I believe I pronounced her last night yeah. last name correctly. Yeah, um, she happens to live in uh, live uh, near me, and we're still in communication. Yeah, she's got so, a great career. And she works for Marvel now, so I mean it's 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 I mean the possibilities are endless. It's it's no lost in entering. Right. And you have a lot to gain, either in the, in, even in the people that you get to meet. Great. Now, do you have any particular projects coming up that um, you can tell us about? Um, I have a few books that are in the work. Um, I'm working on uh, several children's books that will pretty much keep me busy into next year. <laughs> uh, so some titles I'll be able to release soon. But it is quite a few children's books that I'm working with. And I uh, fortunately do too. Uh, my involvement with uh, Parker Looks Up, um, I was connected with a really great agency uh, that is going to help me with my, you know, with my career. And and also, um, they're very interested in promoting me uh, being able to tell stories of my own. Uh, because most of the work that I've done, as I've mentioned, has been commission-based. Uh, it's not that often that I get to put out my own uh, work because a lot of my time is spent doing other projects. But... Um, my hope is that for 2020, my time will be a little bit more free and I can dedicate time towards uh, personal artwork and and um, putting out print uh, as well to start selling my artwork in a different way and start telling my own stories, which, of course, would be um, grim fairy tales with very powerful women. Okay, good. <laughs> and if someone wants to be able to uh, discover uh, more of you and your art, how can they find you? Uh I can be found on uh, BeGifted.com. That's B-E-A-G-I-F-T-E-D. Uh, B is actually uh, a name that I go by mostly online or uh, through my social network. So 
If you type in Be Gifted, um, B-A-G-I-F-T-E-D, you'll see uh, a lot of my social media um, You'll should, should come across my Instagram as well as my Facebook page. Uh, so that's how you can find me. Great. Well, thank you very much. And, and um, it's been great talking to you. And I look forward to seeing a lot more of you in the future. In fact, it looks like we might be seeing some more of you in Writers of the Future Volume 36 on a story that um, will be being published in there by Nettie Okorafor. So um, anyway, thank you again very much, B. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. So thank you very much for listening to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. Writers and Illustrators of the Future were contests created by L. Ron Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring artists to have their creative efforts be seen and acknowledged. We are available on almost every platform that you can listen to podcasts, so please subscribe and listen to them all. Thank you very much. <laughs>